poker's legendary champions, next generation stars, and tireless ambassadors of the game, sharing their wisdom and guiding your journey to high achievement on the green felt. This is Philosophical Friday on Chasing Poker Greatness with your hosts, Brad Wilson and Duncan Palamortis. Welcome, 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 my friend, to another episode of the Chasing Poker Greatness podcast. As always, this is your host, the founder of ChasingPokerGreatness.com, Coach Brad Wilson. And today is Friday, which means we got some philosophy coming your way. Actually, less philosophy today, I think more, more list, listicle podcast. I don't even know how to, what, what the right expression is for a podcast that is a list but welcome, my co-host Duncan Palamortis. How you doing, sir? Good, good, good. I'm, I'm excited about today. What is today? Let's let's clue the audience in. Sure. Even though they've they've seen the title of the episode by now, so they probably already have some clues. But for the terrible detectives among the <laughs> listeners, <laughs> absolutely. No, I mean a lot of things that we do when every every Friday when we talk about uh, a lot of things give the listener clues as to you know what our interests are, but. Uh, Many of the listeners may not know that, uh, you know, besides, you know, poker and uh, philosophy, we have some other interests. So I thought it would be interesting so people can get a little bit of a context in some of where some of our ideas are coming from, or some of the other interests that we may be, uh, you know, spending a lot of time uh, on a daily, weekly basis. Yeah. So what we're going to do is basically we're going to take turns with our five uh, things, five things that we're very interested in and you did set some ground rules before we dive in right right so i have some idea for some rules at least i'm going to set them for myself like you if you feel free to set some ground rules for yourself like for i will example, follow your rules duncan oh, to the t <laughs> i don't know about that so number one we're talking about interests we're not talking about things that are important so for example we're not going to mention family obviously this is uh, as far as i know it's at the top of both of our lists. So we're going to talk I'm about not things very that... interested in family. Speak for <laughs> I yourself. I know, I know, I know, I know. I'm so condescending. I know. So uh, another thing is that they're not going to be in any particular order. Uh, it's difficult to rank those things. You know, when you do one thing, you're not doing another thing. So it, it takes priority on that specific moment. For me, I want to avoid things that are obvious. Like I don't want to mention math, uh, poker. And philosophy, like these are the three things that obviously, you know, everybody knows I'm interested in. And um, but uh, I don't know about you, Brad, uh, if you want to mention something. I'm going to this- mention poker. So okay. I've already right. broke your rules. Okay. Um, that's the- <laughs> I play by <laughs> that's, my own rules. Duncan. That's what I, I, I told you from the beginning. That's, it's your own rules. That's, <laughs> you know, that's why I don't want to set rules for other people. You know, everybody's unique and different. So. Uh, yeah, so why don't we take it away and uh, you can start with uh, the number one on your list. Yeah, so number one on my list is leadership and communication. Mm-hmm. Um, this is something that very much interests me. I think maybe it's always interested me as a person. Um, you know, I think I, I've had a knack for connecting people. I think I'm a connector. Um mm-hmm. 
I haven't read that book, but my wife labeled me as a connector. Uh, but I really enjoy having conversations. I really enjoy learning about people. I really enjoy figuring out how to effectively communicate to a wide range of people who are coming from many different paradigms. Um, so like, I think communication in a poker coach, communication in, as a podcaster, communication as a father, as a husband, as a friend, as a son, um, in every area of life, communication is quite important to me. And so like that, that's something that I'm very interested in constantly reading books, constantly replaying uh, conversations that I've had, trying to figure out sticking points, how to do a better job of working through them, uh, just taking responsibility. Um, and then it ties into leadership. I think those two are pretty closely related, uh, you know, running my coaching for profit program, the wolves, um, just figuring out the right buttons to press with both individuals and then a collective group, because as you know, like being, being a leader, um, is complicated and mm -hmm. there's no like one size fits all approach. Some things are more effective with other people. Um, so you, you just have to like basically use the data points that you have and, and kind of in the same way that you play poker, um, try to work from the information that you have to make the best decision that you can, which, you know, is to say that I've gotten things wrong as a leader, but again, that, that just, uh, gives me a target to shoot at and something to reflect on, um, and then figure out how to do better in the future. What are some things that you learned from your studies that you used to do wrong and now you corrected, uh, or you're still working on it or anything of that sort? Um, I've learned that being hard on people is okay. Mm -hmm. I'm don't think I'm naturally an asshole. <laughs> like, I mean, maybe I am, I guess that's debatable and subjective. Yes. Everybody's got their own personal experiences mm -hmm. with me. And I, I will assume that there are other people in the world that sure. would disagree. Sure. Um, I don't, uh, it's just not natural for me to like be very hard on students, be very hard mm -hmm. on people. Um, it's something that I've had to grow into, but now that I kind of recognize that certain people respond very well to harsh criticism, mm -hmm. that that's what they need. And so like, I, I try to give it to people, um, those types of people hard. Um, and then I think there's other people that will be resistant to that too. So yeah, um, being hard on people, holding them accountable, uh, understanding, um, that, as a leader, I've got to be responsible for my own behavior. I have to lead from the front. So I have to set a very high standard for the folks who are um, counting on me, like specifically right now would be the, the CPG wolves. So yeah, I, th I think those are a lot of the things that I, that I think about and just figuring out where the buttons are, how to create protocols, identifying blind spots and upgrading those. I mean, there's probably an infinite thing, number of things that I've- sure upgraded over time is there something tangible or a process that it helps you put everything together whether it is like you know mental note-taking actual note-taking or some sort of like uh um uh, some sort of uh uh log that you keep on 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 some of these things like well for me like as you know the wolves head coach and as the leader my feedback mechanism is results and you know, I can tangibly see how we're doing over time. Right. 
from month to month. And so like, I know that I'm pressing the right buttons when the data points are telling me like, oh, we're, we're progressing forward. We're not uh, making the same mistakes again and again and again, or we're minimizing them as much as we possibly can. Those are really the, the biggest indicators to me that show uh, my progression. Very good. Very good. Um, all right. So for you, what's your first so, interest slash hobby? I was uh, I was uh, probably going to put that uh, later on the list, but because it's related to what you just said, I'm going to stay a little bit on topic. And uh, probably one of the things that I absolutely hate, but I see myself, uh, you know, compulsively doing it. That's writing. I I write, uh, and uh, I'm writing specifically on that. Con- yeah, it's it's a weird thing, you know. Like I, can, I feel like I cannot escape from it because yeah, it's yeah. Like I, I'm, bird- I'm just recalling this like. <laughs> 2000 word response in slack that <laughs> is like now infamous and legendary in greatness village right. um for being the longest message of all time running out ever. of characters <laughs> yeah, yeah ever ever anywhere on the planet mm. yeah, yeah no i mean the thing is that i have this burning s- sensation uh to um I'm so interested in that concept of, you mentioned communication. That's something that interests me very much. The idea of why there's disagreement, the idea of why people, it's not just the disagreement itself, the disagreement I understand, but why people have arguments, for example, like the arguments that uh, uh, couples have or the arguments that political parties have. And sometimes, I mean, there's power plays, but even when people mean well, that's probably the most surprising thing of all. Why do people have... uh, bring so much pain and suffering to themselves. And that's not an easy question, especially when both parties mean well and both parties are trying their best. So I'm writing this uh, this book, which probably I'm going to be writing for the next decade or so, the concept of uh, the idea of meta-humility, the idea of that uh, it's not about winning the argument. It's about the idea of on getting on the other person's shoes and just be them for a minute. It's not about being right. It's not about uh, um, uh, uh, win a battle. If you win an argument, you actually lose a war with somebody that potentially uh, you're uh, with and you wanna, you're want to. you a team. The, the, the important part is uh, to, to have a win. So, well, yeah, and there's also like a reframing too. And I, I've talked about it on the podcast before that like whenever you know you quote unquote lose an argument, so aka you had an opinion, that opinion shifted through discourse, uh, you're the one who's actively gained something there. Oh, the absolutely. O- the other person has just, you know, verified what, you know, their their existing belief, right? They've solidified that. But the person who actually learns um, is typically thought of as like the quote unquote loser of the argument when the reality is like they're the one who gains something and gaining something is more valuable than not. Absolutely. And and to clarify, I was I was actually talking about something slightly different, but what you said is actually on point. You're absolutely correct. So anytime you there's a disagreement with somebody and you find the, the, the source of the disagreement, one of the two things is going to happen. Either, you know, uh, you will hopefully help the, help, the, help the other person understand that the, uh, they made a mistake or you realize you made a mistake. Either way, that's progress. You know, as a mm. team, you've made progress. Like every, everybody, everybody wins. What I was talking about more uh, about was the idea that sometimes there is what I call compatibility, compatibility, hopefully compatibility of disagreement. In other words, there's two uh, different oppositions. One example would be, for example, one person is a materialist and the other person is an idealist. There's nothing we can do about that to bridge that gap because they start from two different axiomatic approaches to life or like a pragmatist versus like a realist and like people who have different approaches to life. And what I find incredibly interesting 
is that how convinced sometimes people are that the other person is wrong, even though there is a specific branching out of arguments that happen at a specific point, and neither of those two people can see in the conversation. That's the part that I'm interested in. Like the idea that I often say, you know, you cannot disagree with conclusions. You have to disagree either with the premises, the rules of inference, or with the semantics. So you have to do a lot of work to disagree with somebody. That's why, for example, it's incredibly difficult, if not impossible, to disagree with someone like Noam Chomsky. Not because his ideas are correct, but because he's done so much research that you have to do similar amount of research before you're capable of having a, a very fruitful disagreement with somebody who's that well-read, right? Especially if they're talking about a subject that they're well, you know, well aware, like linguistics, not when they're talking about other stuff that... Uh, but. Um, it's uh, that's the type of thing that I'm incredibly interested in. So I thought I should mention that because I think communication is something that shows up a lot in education. So I'm not interested in education. I'm actually interested. In, I'm not going to mention education. Just just FYI, I'm interested in communication. How to bridge the gap between the things that like the the signals that one person sends to the other person. I often say that you know the only reason why. Uh, you know, one person is the teacher and the other person is the student. It's not because one person knows and the other person doesn't. It's just because one person has more experience than the other. That's what separates the student from the teacher, just experience, nothing else. We're all students in some sense. Yeah, I, I agree with the last statement, but overall, I, I think it's dumb and totally wrong. <laughs> what is? Compatible disagreements, Duncan. Our compatibility of disagreements? Yeah. Oh, okay, you're trolling yeah. me. I see, I see. Okay, yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> What's next? Poker. Okay, beautiful. <laughs> Nobody saw that coming. <laughs> Rule breaking number one, poker. Um, so, uh, I, I want to ask something about poker. You sure. ready? Yeah, What? What is something about poker that you do uh, related to poker that most people don't expect that you do? Hmm. I don't know. It's an interesting question. Uh, I mean... I would say like, that's an interesting question. I, I don't, I, I think about poker a lot. Like mm -hmm. I, 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 I'm kind of a dreamer. And mm -hmm. even though, even though like to like take preflop bootcamp that has like, you know, rigid protocols for preflop play, right? Uh, just no mixed frequencies. Everything is absolute. Um, I still, I still try to dream up um things that i think theoretically might be quite good that other people may not do in various spots across the game tree so like you know i i, I dream of things that the wolves can do mm -hmm. that are not based on data but are just based on my intuition and mm -hmm. based on what kind of i know about human beings and the game itself so I think that might be something that people may not um, see or or recognize is that some things um, so, some things that that we test out are just dreamt up by me mm -hmm. that I think will be good, but I don't have any data backing it. Um, and then dreaming as in daydreaming or night dreaming or both. It's all the time. Mm -hmm. I th I think. Okay. I think I think that like the listener may not be aware of how often I think about poker and mm -hmm. how big a part of my life is poker mm -hmm. because it is from waking up to going to sleep. It's at the gym when, you know, I'm listening 
to Audible. I will be mm-hmm. taking notes on any thoughts or ideas or things to investigate, things to inspect, things to upgrade. Um, just today, you know, I've done four coaching sessions already before recording this podcast with you. I'm constantly pouring through data. I'm constantly just analyzing everything that I can possibly analyze um, to push my guys over the top. So like, yeah, I, I, I love data. I think data is like the way, I think it's a very scientific way, but, but I also, you know, I, I love the magic in poker too. I, I try to think of the magic it, it like, uh, you know, Phil's, Phil's white magic and ask like, what is that? You know, let's mm-hmm. reverse engineer that what's going on here. It's an interesting thing to me. Like anytime something, anytime a player is doing something that has lots of success that the general population doesn't understand, I want to understand that thing a lot better, even if I don't have any data on it. So yeah, that, that might be, um, might be something. So some sort of like healthy obsession or like you would say, you know, we're a little bit crazy. So maybe some part of it is who knows. (laughs) I think that... I've recently come to the conclusion that in this space, I've got enough data now and I've gotten enough feedback that I'm just all in on Mm -hmm. what I'm trying to build. And being all in requires me to basically ensure that the program's a success and ensure that we, that, you know, every, collectively, we reach the vision that I have. So I take responsibility for that. And by taking responsibility for that, it's just every single moment of every single day, I'm thinking about what can I do? Like, how do I, how do I gain edge? How do we gain win rate? How, how do we stave off forgetting? How do we stay sharp? Um, all of these things, how do we become more resilient? It's just a constant 24 seven thought in my brain. Let me ask you about, because that's actually very interesting. So the idea of going all in and hyper-focusing on a specific thing, which is very interesting to you, um, do you think this is a necessary condition? Do you think this is a sufficient condition? And uh, if it's so, my why? interest. I love it. No, I mean, if a, a, a sorry, I should have been more specific. A necessary condition for success or sufficient condition for success? Like I don't the, know. Hard for me to say. Because I, I can't go about it in another way, you know? I, I It is what I, it is. I think of myself as, you know, maybe not the smartest coach in the space, uh, maybe not the best at analyzing data. But I think that I have to be one of the most passionate and I have to care about my guys uh, more than most people care. And I'm going to work as hard as I possibly can sure. to get there. Um, so I don't, I don't know, you know, if, uh, it's necessary, but it's how I'm made and really, I just kind of live for it. Sure. And, and, and to your point, I mean, when I hear things like, you know, like smartest or, you know, the best data analyst and all of th- these things, these things are actually incredibly hard to quantify. Sure. Like they're, they're subjective. Just, it, it, they're, they're, they're very, very subjective. And, and again, what works for one person may not work for other, right? It's another person. Some people understand with metaphors. Some people understand with just numbers. Some people understand, you know, with emotions. It's just very difficult to tell what works. But and the, the, the passion that you're talking about is something that is tangible in some sense because you're essentially saying, listen, I act 
this way. You don't like I, I act as if this is the most important thing to me. I don't need to quantify it in any different way. That you have the most important quantification, which is I spend all of my time into it. Yeah, and and to be to be fair, like the person that I'm really competing against is the one that I look in the mirror mm -hmm. every mm -hmm. day, and, and that person um, has many places to upgrade in their life. Right, like I, I can do Thank better. God. Right, yeah. and that to me is fun. It's challenging. Mm -hmm. It's a target to shoot at. Like I said, and I love progression. I love uh, getting better at things. You know, this maybe that's just like a, an overall macro interest of mine is just like I love leveling up. That's right. That's why I said, I said thank God, not because I know what God is, but because it's a it's a good thing that you actually have to work on progress. Right? Sure. <laughs> Makes absolutely. life interesting. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, all right. So number two for you. Number two for me, probably I'm going to have to put uh, fitness. I just uh, change the uh, the topic a little bit. I think that uh, uh, it's uh, one of those things that help me stay balanced in some way. Um, I'm not necessarily the best uh, person when it comes to nutrition, although, you know, like I'm trying, I'm trying my best. And in this day and age, it's so like we have no room for excuses, right? I mean, there's so much information, much of that. And, and I'm talking about good information available. Like people are competing on places, for example, like social media, like YouTube, you know, they're competing for viewership and the, the quality of content has gone through the roof. Like there are situations where people have performed better than professionals. Some of the people who are doing like amateur work in certain certain areas. But, um, and uh, it, it's interesting because I know that in, in, in my space of mathematics, for example, I see a lot of people with like lower level degrees, they're doing an excellent job explaining difficult ideas. So even in mathematics, even in hard science and place like that. But anyway, so fitness, I think, is something that uh, uh, interests me very much. And um, because What's I the end goal, school, the end goal with fitness for you, uh, I'd say probably uh, it's uh, strength of, I mean, health will be one, not in any particular order, but strength of mind is is another one. The idea that uh, you know, like every time I go to the gym, like I. I feel like I'm, I'm going to die like every single time. Like that hasn't changed. And I've, I've been doing this for like 15 years. Uh, and like, I literally feel every time, like, why do I do this to myself? But then it, in, in some sense, there is like a certain strengthening. I mean, it's similar to, I guess, those familiar with uh, uh, David Goggins. I mean, the idea of callousing the mind, I think that's an excellent idea, an excellent metaphor that things become, th things around life become easier when you survive a day at the gym. And uh and it's uh, the absolutely the worst time of my day and the best time of my day, yeah. basically. Charles Dickens. So, Charles yeah. Dickens. <laughs> best of really? time and the worst of time. <laughs> best of time and the worst of time. Right. Yes. How so, do you how do you um, get motivated to keep going to the gym when you know that it's going to be the worst of time while you're there? Right. So this is something that I worked tremendously, like over time. And what I mean by work tremendously over time is the idea that I thought of myself. I will, it's a sacred thing. Like I don't skip gym days because of exact that very reason. I know that if I ever skip a single gym day, I'm going to be, we have, maybe, maybe today is another day to skip a gym day. So it sort of like becomes like brushing my teeth. It's like, oh my God, I have to do it. It's, I have to do it. No, no matter, no matter what many excuses I'm going to show, I know I'm going to go to the gym eventually. Just, just, just get it on with your life. You know, just, just, just go there, get it over with, you know, just, just, just go there. And I think a lot of it is that, and uh, because again, I feel terrible if 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 I don't. So it has become a uh, a habit at this point. But I, at the beginning, sorry. No, no, no. I, I I agree. Like I look at these things, the way that I think about them are are kind of like uh, 
gifts to my future self is mm -hmm. really how I like think of them in my head when I'm like meal prepping, making my, my shake the night before, uh, taking care of, you know, laundry right. or dishes or whatever. I'm like, I think of them as like a gift to a future self, like the gym, um, is a gift to yourself later that day or tomorrow or next week, whenever, you know, you have high energy levels, you need to get a lot of stuff done. You want to go on a hiking trip and it's like seven miles or, or, or whatever it is, or just like, you know, to sleep well at night and to feel strong and, and right. to feel better and have more energy, right? Like these are all gifts to your future self um, that in the moment, there's a lot of pain there. There's a lot sure. of resistance, right? But right. It, it's an investment um, is it, sort of the way that, that I frame it in my own mind. Oh, that's that's a very, very good way of, of putting it. And and if I were to say like the two things which are actionable, at least they, they, they work for me, one good and one bad, I'm going to start with a bad one. I've, 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 I've ruined my body, like basically. So, uh, so what Isn't I'm saying- Is that contrary to the goal? <laughs> that's exactly right. I mean, it yeah. is. So one has to be careful, right? So obviously, you know, this is by the way, something that I've seen across the board, like people who've been doing it, even professionals, they will tell you that they've made a lot of mistakes. And I'm not entirely sure how many of these mistakes are avoidable. Yeah. You know how your parents are telling you, you know what, make your own mistakes. You have to, you know, screw it up to learn. So I'm not sure mm -hmm. how much of that is avoidable in the first place. But I'm going to say that, you know, don't just listen to, you know, a bearded guy on, you know, on, on the Internet that says something. Just do your own research, you know, do your own things and try to be as smart as you can with things as you can. Because some of the, uh, you know, injuries can be reversible. That's number one. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of that come, probably comes with like maxing. Um, mm -hmm. I, I think like. I've, I, I try to be in tune with my body and mm -hmm. I won't push myself in spots where I just know that it's probably going to do more harm than good. Me uh, too. Like on leg, leg day specifically is like after, a, you know, three sets of like uh, barbell split squats, for example, mm -hmm. which I hate. Mm -hmm. um, oh, it's yeah. like, oh, if I do you know, the rest of my, my squats, like I'm not going to be able to walk for two or three days and I risk injuring myself, um, and trying to be as be in tune there so that you don't like actually hurt yourself. And then I'm sure a lot, uh, there's a lot of guidance on YouTube too, about proper form and technique, sure. um, that the listener should, should consult with. Absolutely. I'm just going to push a little bit back on this because this is something sure. that I've been thinking a lot. And myself, and by the way, I'm one of those people that I can't walk for five days when I, literally, and I think I mentioned that before, when I do legs, I cannot walk for five days every single time, like every, for 15 years, every single time I cannot walk for five days. Now, there is something like you will have people like David Goggins, for example, who are willing to get to a point, and I'm not saying that everybody should think like that, but it, it's an approach. It's an sure. approach that we should consider who basically literally, you know, he's going to start peeing blood and he's going to continue running, right? Mm -hmm. So there is, it's not an obvious question where, how much is too much? Because also like the idea of growth requires pushing ourselves beyond a certain point. So <laughs> there are situations where that's, that's the part that I wanted to push back. It's No, no, I, I think it, it's, it's a good point. Um, yeah, it, it's a good point. I don't think the David Goggins approach is for everybody. Exactly. Um, and I do think that like just having an awareness, a keen sense of your body. Um, and I think like lots of things are, are uh, pretty resilient, 
right? Yes. Like lot, lots of our body is more resilient than we give it credit for. So we exactly. can push. Uh, I do think there is a point where you can recognize like, oh, I'm going to hurt myself Absolutely. if I do this. Absolutely. And and, and, and also to, to double down on your point, it's not even clear if people like David Goggins uh, have net benefited their lives or, or you know, no. Yeah. I mean, there, there's, there, I, I have an opinion on that. So I'm not saying that I'm taking one or the other side. Sure. But there are like, I, anyway, I, have, I think highly of, of David Goggins uh, in many respects, but like there are definitely people who are going to tell you, you know what, he's destroyed his body in some sense, right? I mean, and peeing blood is, is too much, but perhaps peeing blood is one way to tell your body, you know what, it's not the end of the world. You can get stronger. You can, again, it's a very difficult question. It's harder than it sounds. We can't just like say, oh, it sounds ridiculous because again, we're not sure exactly well, what our are. I think pissing blood is an indicator that things are not all great. Oh, great. <laughs> I, things I know, are not going well. <laughs> But maybe it, you make it harder for the second time to, for that to happen, right? Maybe you actually gain yourself another extra two years of life by actually pushing yourself. I'm not saying that's the case, but I'm saying it's 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 not yeah. crystal clear. The idea of anti-fragility. Maybe you idea, could have a heart attack and die too. Exactly. Right. Exactly <laughs> my point, which is why yeah. it's not trivial, right? I mean, yeah. you, you can actually die. And that's my criticism to some of the things. That's why not everybody can. Yeah, die. yeah, anyway. yeah. I, I'm, I'm a big believer in like listening to the body. Mm -hmm. Um, and paying attention to the body, you know, I think just as like a, a tangent, uh, an unrelated tangent, I know we're getting in left field, but no, that's like there, there's a lot it. of, a lot of people that like advocate drinking, you know, 10 glasses of water or however mm -hmm. many ounces of water a day. And right. like from the experts that I've read from the things that I've read about that specific thing is that we have a really good mechanism as human beings that allow us to drink enough water. And that is we feel thirsty <laughs> when we're yes, dehydrated, right. right? So like, good point. I think that like, we just yeah, tend to over overthink some things. And it's like, no, we, we survive because like when we're like 3% dehydrated or 2%, we feel very, very thirsty. And then we hydrate up. This is a mechanism that allows us to not die and to survive, right? So, you know, overhydrating, um, again, can be a thing that causes more harm than good. Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that's a good segue to, to the next one. What is next on your list? Fictional books. Mm, um, I like it. Just uh, like I, I said before, when I'm at the gym, mm -hmm. I'm almost always listening to Audible and mm -hmm. almost always listening to a fantasy book or a mm -hmm. fictional book. Um, I've gone back and forth in my head about, you know, should I be listening to this or should I be listening to some nonfiction, personal growth type type book, or, you know, even a podcast um, that's more personal growth in nature. And my realization is that I just love losing myself in these stories. I love mm -hmm. getting to know the characters. I love mm -hmm. imagining everything I always have as a human being. It makes my spirit happy. Um, listening to these books. And so like, it's just going to be a part of my life until, until the end. Um, mm -hmm. so like any, like when I, whenever I love an author and I get into a fictional story, I'm just going to consume that material as quickly as I possibly can. Um, I often go to Goodreads mm -hmm. and search for a specific genre and filter by rating to find like the best books in the genre, the highest rated books that I haven't read yet, because I am also aware that uh, I'm a maximizer. <laughs> mm -hmm. 
and I have a limited amount of books that I'm going to read in my life. So I, I want to hit all the best ones. Um, so yeah, that, that's something that like, is I'm very interested in. And, and like, if I'm decompressing and not thinking about poker, generally I'm walking around somewhere with, uh, you know, AirPods in and, and listening to a book. I love it. And you take advantage also of some dead time potentially, right? I mean, yeah. uh, let's go super meta. Uh, top five <laughs> favorite fictional books or stories or like, you know. Uh, um, I would say like, so. It doesn't the, have to be the top book, five, The book right? aspect is like hard for me. I, I think like author wise, um, I'm listening to Joe Abercrombie right now, mm -hmm. the first law series. There's like, uh, I think 10 books. I'm like at book eight. Um, I've been listening to those for a while. I really, really enjoy them. I, like I, I find myself loving the narr narrators. I think mm -hmm. that some of the skill of narrators is just unbelievable out of this world. Right. Um, so yeah, Joe, Joe Abercrombie, Brandon Sanderson, pretty much anything that he writes in the realm of fantasy. I'm, I'm going to read, uh, Patrick Rothfuss, who's, um, you know, written two books of a three book trilogy and we've been hanging with bated breath for 10 years now for the third book. <laughs> um, need to figure out what's going to happen to Kvothe. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, those, those three authors, George R. R. Martin, I've mm -hmm. read um, all of uh, all of his books. Although again, it's been 10 years since yeah, the last one was waiting. released. Yeah. So yeah. I probably need to read the whole thing again before uh, picking up the new one. Cause I've forgotten all the plot points uh, because yeah. the show, the show <laughs> diverged quite, quite yeah. drastically from the book series. Do you like the ending? Did you like the season eight on Game of Thrones? I hated se season seven and season eight. I thought, it, okay. thought they were not good. Um, yeah. The the ending of Game of Thrones, I, I thought like, I mean, it just, you know, instead of like tying things up neatly and nicely, they just blew everybody up and sure. sort of hammered hammered everything to conclusion, which yeah. I, I wasn't a big fan of. Um, mm -hmm. I think the whole Danny character arc just... It was. It just felt forced and way too fast. Um, the the breaker of chains in one season who cares about cities and the kids and the slaves and everybody like just a little while later is just burning everybody alive. Like uh, I didn't really that that her whole character arc just felt like spoilers by the way rushed. <laughs> If you yeah, haven't seen uh, Game of Thrones by this point, maybe you'll never watch all of it. Never Thrones. watch it, yeah. Um, a, a, a certain, uh, you know, a thing that happened to to the dragons that was uh, again. I'm trying to avoid spoilers. That was pretty pretty weird too. You know, like sending the dragons to like anyway. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it, anyway. So yeah, yeah, like those those books. I mean, um, J.K. Rowling, Harry Potter. I've read mm -hmm. those probably two two or three times each. I, I love those. I think that's. That's a pretty good summary of of the books that I'm Tolkien or like are you interested in that? I actually stuff? haven't read Tolkien. Okay. Um, I read uh the I tried reading The Hobbit when I was okay. in like the sixth grade. It's and I just hated it. Yes, I yes. hated it. I couldn't like there were so many characters I couldn't keep I track. Know. And I was like, I don't like this. And I put it down and I just never picked it up. And then I watched the movies and I was like, oh, that was good. That makes sense. Yeah. There's so much stuff that they didn't put in the movies. I mean, these books are incredibly dense and yeah. it's 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 fascinating how a person created, um, you know, a you know he basically created a better version of the Bible essentially. So it's, it was so deep and so um, 
condensed is just like very 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 interesting yeah i mean i'm again uh going back to like this magic in the world that Mm -hmm. i really value people that can world build like that to me may as well be magicians or wizards i think it's just an incredible skill to have that kind of vision and flesh it out and and tell stories the way that people do it's uh it's a very powerful thing and it just leaves me in awe every time i experience it have you read the witcher like any of the nope i haven't read any of the witcher either Uh, that's pretty interesting uh uh but interesting ones too um so let's kick it back to you we're on number three here we're at yeah, I, number six total, I think. Yeah, number six total. That's right. So uh, we're going super fast. Huh? So we have a lot of things to say about these things. Uh, so speaking of The Witcher, uh, I would say one of the things that I, I really like is uh, video games. Like, uh, mm. yeah, the the thing about video games, I'm I'm very picky. Like the, I'm not particularly dexterous when it comes to the, as you as you know very well. So I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not good at sports. So so like I'm interested, but. Uh, video games have, I don't know like how much in tune you are. I mean, you mentioned like Path of Exile in one of our earlier, um, yeah, yeah. but like, <laughs> you hate that game. I know. No, no, I love the game. That, okay. That's, that's why where the hatred comes from is in loving, <laughs> loving the thing. I love it too much. Yes. Yeah. So I, I think that video games, like, uh, there is a tremendous amount of, uh, of spectrum. Like probably, I mean, I, I started with like, uh, the, uh, the adventure, uh, I'm not talking about action adventures, I'm talking about the actual adventures, point and click adventures like that, the uh, Sierra and like that, uh, LucasArts, that, the, and, uh, uh, and and RPGs like Baldur's Gate, that was one of my, my favorite, I made mm-hmm. a, a new one now. And I think there's like a, a tremendous amount of uh, creativity that can be found in, in those games. And it's an excellent way also to, to do storytelling. There's some games in particular, if you don't mind reading like some. Yeah. You know, what's interesting about that is I can't stand storytelling in games. Like I love stories. I love listening. I love reading. I love the way the books smell. I love it, all of it, but in, in video games, I'm like, ah, I don't care. I just want action. Like <laughs> I, yeah. I want to battle. I, I want to like sure. slay, slay monsters and crawl dungeons and kill things. And like, whenever people talk, I'm just like spamming the button that skips all the talking. Like, let's go, let's go. Um, which so is spe- strange. Speaking of spamming the button, uh, are you, are you interested like in, in challenging games, like any of the from software games, like demon souls, dark souls, I have uh, I, I haven't played them in, I think what's interesting is like, I think that video games to me are something that I have somewhat of an addictive personality, mm-hmm. which the listener may have clued in on over time. Uh, <laughs> and video games feel more like a waste of time to me mm-hmm. than listening to a book on audio while I'm at the gym. Mm-hmm. or taking a walk or cleaning the house or doing some kind of secondary activity. Like um, the thing that feels really good to me is when I play video games like Rocket League with mm-hmm. um, four or five friends, friends mm-hmm. um, on a headset. And there's like the the fellowship aspect of it. But right. I actually start feeling like, you know, you know, like I love cake, but I feel like I've eaten five cakes when I sit down and play Path of Exile for like seven hours. <laughs> yes, I- <laughs> something to be said about that yeah, no, but, 
the, uh, if I were to to push back a little bit, and and again, actually, it's not so much as pushing back as like a a different perspective because you can have two different perspectives on the mm -hmm. video games, right? So, like for example, Path of Exile. For those of you who don't know, um, there is a skill tree in Path of Exile, which is probably like the biggest skill tree that they've ever created on any video game ever. So, if you are like a minimaxer, you know, you look at this skill tree that goes basically indefinitely. And you're trying to optimize which way to uh, which path to take. And I think there is something to be said, at least for me. That's why I'm saying different perspectives. There's something to be said about the challenge of actually, essentially, making the game easier for you, like finding ways to sort of like exploit the game, but in a non-cheating way, right? I mean, to find ways to make your character stronger enough to. Um, and I find that's why I like games where you can actually uh, you can use your brains a little bit to sort of like sidestep some of these difficulties. I'm I'm a maximizer, as I said, okay, and right. Path of Exile plays into all of my impulses very, very well. Um, <laughs> I, know. I, I know. Yeah, like I've created 5,000 spades names when I played online spades. I created right. a thousand Diablo characters trying to figure mm -hmm. out the perfect build. And if I mess up one skill point and can't get back. it back, then I just start a brand new character. Right, right. Like I'm a classic maximizer. And and yes, the skill tree in Path of Exile is obscene and makes it <laughs> extremely complex, very hard to make like the best character, which yeah, is, is a very clever way of making a game that people get addicted to and play a lot of it because then, you know, every, every once in a while they have, um, you know, a new season where they change something right, fundamental right. to the game. And so right. like, even if you found the best character, well, now you, you've got to start over again and things have changed. So maybe you've got to alter that as well. So it's a very, very cleverly built game. Actually, one of my, um, one of my poker students from six or seven years ago moved to New Zealand and he's a game tester for Path of Exile specifically. Nice. Um, so yeah, they, they've done a good job. Uh, and that's why I have to avoid it. <laughs> exactly. Right. I guess one last thing I wanted to say about uh, video games before I forget is that uh, one experience that I've never had before, uh, it, remember how we're talking about callousing, callousing your own mind? The, the idea, like I tried one um, from soft game, uh, Sekiro. Uh, which basically it was like um I, I joked at some point on Twitter that it, it was like essentially playing um uh, tournaments back to back, getting bubbled like every single time for like a year, right? That that's how it essentially felt. And mm -hmm. because I have like this tendency of like wanting to finish things, I finished this goddamn thing. But I gotta tell you, there were bosses that I was actually fighting for four days straight to beat. Like this is just, I'm not good at dexterity. So some people who like finish the game may have like different experiences, but that was something that I just wanna, I wanna share. So I was very happy I finished that game, but I will never touch another from software game. Or something. <laughs> yeah. So it's, you know, like it's sort of like callousing in some sense because you're like, okay, at least I finished it. And I can tell people I finished it. There you go, public, I finished it. So now you know. Yeah. And there's so only a select subgroup of people that are actually care or that are impressed. And that's the people that have <laughs> experienced the game itself. Budge. <laughs> Budge of honor right here. Or shame. I don't know. So what's next? Uh, what's so the, the fourth thing on my list is just human behavior. Um, mm -hmm. Psychology, just why people do the things that they do. I think it ties into poker and my love of poker just very, very well. It ties into my 
um, drive to communicate and be a leader very, very well and trying to understand human behavior. So like, again, I think this is more of like a macro thing of, I'm just fascinated by human beings. Like we're mm-hmm. just a fascinating species. Um, and why do we do the things that we do? Like what, why, why across the board do kind of weak poker players do the same thing despite mm. not, you know, having a convention where they discuss strategies and share it with each other, right? Like it has to be sort of innate in human biology. Um, why do people do the things that they do? Why do they tweet the things they tweet? Why, why, mm-hmm. why are they the way they are? Why are people simultaneously so um, terrible mm-hmm. and also so hilarious? Mm-hmm. Why are they so enraging, but also are the thing that allows you to experience the most joy on the planet, uh, you know, in, in right. my yeah. case. So it's like, yeah, there, there's these, um, it, it's just fascinating to me. I just, I, I love human beings. I love thinking about human behavior. And, and so, yeah, that, that's another one of my hobbies. Do you have any influential psychologists uh, or philosophers that, because a lot of philosophers also talk about psychology that, you know, they've influenced you or people you, you admire in that space? I would just say podcast wise philosophize this uh, i really mm-hmm. love um and it's not not exactly like human uh it's not a uh, psych- psychology podcast mm-hmm. but um i like hardcore history i like learning mm-hmm. about the things that we've done in the past and why humans kind of behaved in the way that they did or trying to better understand you know how, how have we progressed over the last hundred years um just exponentially in, in a way that nobody a hundred years ago would even recognize this planet and the society that we live in today. Like that's something that's interesting to me and pulls me in and something that I think about. Excellent. Love it. Love it. Psychology, yeah. obviously one, one of my subjects too. I, I didn't add it to the list, but I'm very interested in psychology as well. All right. And I would wonder why, but we got, we got a show to go on. Um, <laughs> so you, you tapped into my human behavior. Uh, I, lo- I love it. Yeah. Number eight. So, number eight. So number eight, I would probably have to put um, physics and I'm going to cheat a little bit. I'm going to add biology there for good measure and some of the other hard sciences, like in particular, uh, the theory of evolution, I think, explains a lot of things that at first seem very weird, like, for example, the existence of psycho- psychopaths. Talk about psych- uh, psychology, right? I mean, psycho- psychopaths. So those those of you who have been here in the podcast before know that I'm very interested in like how weird psychopaths are and how frequent actually they are in our population, about one, somewhere between half a percent and two percent, depending on who you ask. And it's interesting. Like, why do we have, you know, uh, people like that in, in, in the population and evolutionary theory can give some answers to that. Like, you know, there are specific tasks, and usually these are tasks that uh, society needs at some point. You know, some people may call that, uh, you know, wars, or may call it, you know, today we call them surgeon surgeons, uh, people who have to, like, basically not give a damn about uh, <laughs> certain things, like uh, um, empathy, for example. So I would say that biology is very, very important. But specifically physics, I'm working on a project, which also probably I'm going to be working for the next 10 years, I'm trying to actually like understand like all of the um, all of the physics, like the major basically rules of the universe. And I'm writing a, a scientific book um, 
with where basically I'm collecting all the necessary mathematics and all the necessary physics uh, required. I, I'm not a physicist. I have to. So for me, it takes extra effort because I can only draw from some of my knowledge from mathematics. But physics is a completely different uh, subject. Are you so. going to get a famed narrator, Stephen Pacey, to narrate your scientific <laughs> journal? No, I, I don't. I don't think I'm ever going to publish it. You know, like I don't care. I just I just want it for me. Like well, I just. I'm want... not listening to it. Duncan. Okay, got it, got it, got it. Okay. <laughs> you set me up for this. That was an easy one. Good man. Number That's, nine. Yeah, I think. I mean, just oh, to to oh, expand just sure. a moment, I, I think all sure. physics, biology, all, all of these things kind of go into like, in my opinion, um, human behavior and the world. Just Absolutely. the world at large. You asked me a question last week, by the way, on about spirituality and um, mm -hmm. about uh, you know whether it's something like inherent in the world that we live in, like consciousness mm -hmm. or awareness. Um, and I was thinking about it afterwards, and just wanted to add a, a thing that, like, you know, because of the law of conservation of matter, like, it, like matter can't be created or destroyed, right? So mm -hmm. basically, the ingredients to whatever consciousness is, we're here um, from the jump. So mm -hmm. I don't know exactly what those ingredients are. Uh, I just know that like they had to be here because where else could they have come from? Um, Absolutely. And just uh, just to add something, I mean, it is Philosophical Friday after all, so sure. we might as well throw a couple of philosophical things. One idea that I had, and incidentally, I have a lot of a lot of ideas, like uh, the majority of which are trash, right? Just FYI. But one of the ideas that you know, of crossed my mind was the idea that uh, there was a certain proximity during the Big Bang, right? So not just you know, uh, you know, sort of like your atoms and my atoms, and you know, like everybody who's listening, atoms were like close to one another, like to the point where you know, uh, closer than it would be like if they were sitting at a um, at a pin, uh, but also you know the atoms that now make the Andromeda or the atoms that make like galaxies, which are far, far away. So they're actually, everything was close to, to one another. So there is a, I mean, the least, rock that we live on, right? It landed here from, you know, light years away, it kind of collected mass. And so like within our bodies, we have pieces of stars from light years and light years away. That, that to me just kind of blows my mind. It's just Correct. insanely fascinating. But I wanted to take it one step further, and I want to I say something that might sound like a little bit of woo-woo, but I don't mean it as a woo-woo. There might be a certain connection uh, between us, not just the humans, but everything in the galaxy. Uh, there might be some connection, some causal connection, right? Because again, we were, we were very close to, like our atoms were very close to one another, which means there might be some, some similarities. My atoms between. didn't have shit to do with your atoms, Duncan. Oh, okay. So everybody your atoms are on the other side of the crack, the tracks from my atoms. Everybody else's atoms sits with Brad. Brad's like, hey, screw you guys. Like, <laughs> Get away from me. I need my space. <laughs> That's exactly right. So, but I, but I mean it like in a, in, in, in a causal, in a causal kind of way. Like this is just uh, something to, to ponder about. Um, I'm not saying that's a, that's a good theory. I'm just saying that it's, it's, um, it's interesting. Something to I mean, think about. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's something yeah. to think about for sure. Uh, my final, my final one, um, which will be a, a shock to everybody listening. <laughs> uh, high performance, um, right? Just doing maximizing again, uh, body, brain, um, across the board. What can I do to to maximize performance in 
all areas across life. Uh, how do I help the wolves um, perform higher? Uh, just, you know, whether it be sleep, nutrition, fitness, all of those are kind of rolled into high performance for me. Meditation, um, mm -hmm. just looking at cognitive biases and trying to trying to minimize their impact, um, being unbiased while playing poker, uh, helping people navigate their narrative storytelling while they're playing poker, um, just every area of high, high performance, both physically and cognitively and spiritually that I can find um, is just, yeah, very near and dear to my heart. I love it. I love it. So are there any uh, specific, uh, uh, some, some, some go-to either sources or people on, on something that inspire you for, for high performance? I mean, Tim Ferriss is mm -hmm. obviously has lots of ideas on high performance, but I'd say my general like ethos is just experiment. Right. Um, never be afraid to try something that might be different and try right. to learn, test out different things. You know, I think a lot of, a lot of things you can test offer asymmetrical returns. Right. Um, so don't be it, afraid to piss blood, you know? <laughs> yeah, that, that, that has an asymmetrical return probably That's one, right. one way or the other. I don't know if it's good or bad, <laughs> That's exactly um, but it, it's probably asymmetrical. Um, <laughs> yeah, like just. I think being curious and mm -hmm. not being afraid of of leaving your comfort zone or doing something that might feel uncomfortable that all, all of those things just appeal to me um, in a in a big way. And also, I, I think they're also uh, useful to for all the projects that I work on and for just the way that I would like to live my life, um, just doing whatever I can to perform at the highest possible level. Uh, and then helping other people who are in my sphere also perform at the highest level they're capable of, I think is another thing that's that's very near and dear to my heart. I, I put a lot of pressure on myself to mm -hmm. maximize my ability, and I put a lot of pressure on the people who are under my watch to maximize their ability and to not uh, not coast, not get comfortable, sure. um, and try to basically help them realize their full potential because I, I gen, genuinely, I'm an optimist and believe in the human spirit. And I believe that in most area, at least in my life, um, I, I think that the thing that stopped me from progression was simply my own inability to believe in myself. Um, and, and yeah, so high performance, big thing big part of my life. And I would I would even add to that, if you don't mind, that uh, it's not so much necessarily optimism, but believing in yourself, it's not about optimism. It's just that the, the potential is real. It's a real thing, right? I mean, if you if you don't do anything about who you are, you will never gonna get any results. If you don't even try, you're gonna fail by definition, right? So there is something to be said. It's not necessarily the the uh, optimism. It's about the, the, the mantra of like, give it a shot. See, see what happens. I just, you know? I just think that in general, as humans, we sell ourselves short, and we we can do more. Um, and uh, you know, it could be projection. I could be projecting that on people, sure. but I know I could have done more. Sure. Um, and I know that I've got a lot to give, and I have a big vision for chasing poker greatness. I have a big vision for the Wolves program, um, and so I just have to give it everything that I have, and I've got to be my best self, and I've got to require other people be their best selves as well. That's how we get there at the end of the day. Totally. And Absolutely. 
10 of 10. You, you can yeah. close down the show, Duncan. This better be a sure. game changer. <laughs> well, is art a game changer? Uh, no. depending, depending who you ask, you know, if, if you ask somebody like Nietzsche, he's going to tell you that art is everything, right? Because mm. someone like Nietzsche will tell you that uh, there's nothing like uh, that Plato was an idiot and uh, that uh, nothing, um, uh, nothing real uh, exists other than our, you know, empirical perceptions of things. So like the best way to understand reality is just through art, because that's the only tangible thing. There's no such thing as you know, theories and stuff. And I'm oversimplifying, yep. of course. But uh, specifically music, uh, I'm very interested in music, both uh, actively and, and passively. Um, all of my life, like they, I had a dream and that dream was I, I wanted to be able to play um, tunes just by listening to them, just by mm. ear. So I hear something and I and I do it. And, I, and for the longest time, I thought I was incapable of it until I realized that I haven't practiced enough so my fingers can actually go quickly to the places that they're supposed to go. So that's one, you know, long-term sort of like goal of mine to get better, better at music. Um, in my no, mind, I, think, I will. I, I, I tend to agree that everything is art. And I think art is, art is the thing that makes us humans, right? Like that's the thing that separates us from machines um, is our creativity and, and our art. And, you know, it can be active. I think like it, it just doesn't, it doesn't have to be like painting or even music. I, I think that the way that, you know, Phil Ivey plays poker is mm -hmm. his art that he's sharing with the world or terrorizing his opponents with. I, I guess uh, last philosophical question. Do you think reality is art or there's more to reality than just art? Mm. So give me more tangible, tangible question here because that's quite like, abstract. Yeah, it is very abstract and it's a difficult question, right? I mean, uh, it's the, it's the idea that, uh, basically Everything we do, everything we we try to uh, uh, to understand about the world, um, everything we express about the world is some sort of like an in, always comes in an indirect way. Uh, like we we don't really um, we we don't really understand it in a in a in a direct sort of way of reality, but we just try to to approximate it through our senses. And anytime we talk about what reality is, at least that's the, that's that's one theory. I mean, me or that's the question: is that theory, sure. you know, sound to you or not? Uh, so one theory is that everything that uh, everything that we do, everything that we we express, effectively comes down to uh, some form of like a, an artistic expression of, of 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 what life is. So we can never go beyond that. You know, if we really want to talk about reality, it's always going to be through art. There's nothing else. So like. Even logic is, you know, can only be expressed through art. Even, you know, hard science can only be expressed through art. Or, and and art, of course, can take a more or a less general form as you as you want to take. So, what are your thoughts on that? I would tend to agree. I think okay. um, that all of reality is art. I think it's a hard thing to like prove one way or the other. Yeah, of course. Um, but yeah, I think that, you know, we we look at the world through our eyes. And through the way that we, you know, just we see things, we hear things, we smell things, we feel things, um, and different animals see, hear, smell, feel differently. Um, mm -hmm. They see different light spectrums. They experience the world in very different ways than we do as humans. And so, like, I do think that experience is is art in that sense. In that, you know, I, I don't know of a way to objectively show reality as it is right how, how how is that even done i think it's probably impossible and then no matter 
in which way that you try to show mm-hmm. objective reality. Um, there, I think that there's just some subjectivity. No, absolutely. So. Absolutely. I mean, rationalists were going to just try to show you that, you know, logic exists independently. But that is, you know, like a very long story and very difficult to, like I said, to to to, to, to prove either way. Uh, yeah, I think it's just human beings have a capacity to create, understand, and tell stories. And that, to me, is our greatest strength and really the the heart of what it means to be a human being and the thing that I value the most. Um, so yeah, I, I, I would I, I would think that most most everything is art. Very good. Everything is art. Maybe maybe that should be the title of today's podcast. Everything, everything is, is art. There you go. <laughs> I love it. There's some so, some psychopath listener who's named Art, and he's like, "Whoa, <laughs> what is this about?" This it's funny because there is a poker player by the name of Art. So uh, yeah, maybe you should ask him if he's a psychopath. This this might be the podcast for him. That's right. For for the record, he's like he seems like the ex- exact opposite of a psychopath, like a guy with a great guy with a good empathy. Yeah. So I mean, wouldn't that be how a psychopath acts, though? Gotta, no. The, the thing is, mm, I don't know. I don't know. Like, let's not let's not go there. Let's not go there because you can tell. Yeah. There's mm. a theory that you you can feel it in your spine. Something weird when these people are present. Uh, so, but. If people have, you know, like any any stories or any things that, uh, you know, they want to share with us, where where can they find us? Uh, greatnessvillage.com. Head there. Um, why Alex Beats Bobby. YouTube.com slash Why Alex Beats Bobby. B-O-B-B-I-E. Twitter.com slash CBG Podcast. Those are all of the spots. Subscribe to the podcast on whatever audio place you're listening to this at. Um, and if you want to torture Duncan, just ask him a question in the philosophical <laughs> Friday channel and make him type 3000 words that he can't, uh, help himself not do it. It's compulsive. So, you know, psychopaths, here's your chance to, to terrorize <laughs> Duncan. Um, doesn't even have to be a logical question. Make it nonsensical. That'll, that'll drive me even crazier. <laughs> Playing to my obsessions. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Um, and and let us yeah. sorry, go ahead. No, I was gonna I was gonna close it down. So you're gonna beautiful. No, I just want to say if people like this type of format, you know, like it's a little bit more casual from time to time. Let us know what you think. It's always sure. good to have some some feedback, and then we can we have some some ideas of some topics to to cover. But it's it's useful sometimes to know like our, our backgrounds, where we we're coming from, even though sometimes some things feel obvious. I mean, we obviously like love poker and obviously philosophy and all these things, but it's nice to have like, yeah, I think I'm the only person that genuinely understands how much I love poker. Like I just, this game is, oh, it's again, it's my obsession right now. Um, maybe one day in five years, something else will be, but right now my, my entire world is hell bent on, uh, yeah. Yeah, and you and I want to say one thing. You're absolutely right. You're the only person who understands, but you may be underestimating how much I get it. So that's uh, the only thing that I'm going to say. Sure, <laughs> absolutely. Thank you to the listener, and we will catch you next week. Absolutely, pleasure as always. Thanks for listening to Chasing Poker Greatness. You can subscribe on Apple Podcasts or on your favorite podcast app. Go to ChasingPokerGreatness.com to get the newsletter, join the Greatness Village community, book a coaching session, or dive into the latest data-driven poker courses. Follow the show on Twitter at CPG Podcast.